am a medical doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm the daughter of a psychiatrist, though. So, you know, you are kind of going along the right track and the daughter of a psychologist. So put those two together and I'm the best of both. That's what I like to think. Um, but I've actually been a medical doctor for over 30 years. Initially, I was uh, in hospital delivering babies. I was an obstetrician. And then when I had my children, I became a family doctor, what we call a GP. And then in recent years, God has moved me out of medicine. And now he's just given me opportunity to share the word of God. And what I love to do is to really help people and bring hope in the area of health, especially mental health, which is such a huge need. There's such a huge need, isn't there, nowadays in this generation. But um, what I particularly love to do is to not just bring the latest science and neuroscience, but also show how actually it is confirming what the Word of God has been saying for thousands of years. So really proving to us that God is the God of our health, God is the God of our hope, and He wants the best for us. So tonight, um, really, I want to talk to you along the lines of what we've, you've been hearing about the last few weeks, heart for the house. You know, just the whole notion that we, as people of church, need to have the heart for our house, our location, and give of ourselves, not only give money, but give our time, give our energy. But just along those lines, I want to ask you about your own heart, your heart, your soul. I want to ask you, have you taken time to think about how healthy are you on the inside? Because I don't know if you, you know this, I'm sure you do know this, that whenever you go on an airplane and the steward, air steward goes through all the precautions, what is the one thing they say to you? If the air pressure drops, the oxygen mask will fall down, and you've got a baby or a child, before you give them their mask, you grab your mask so that you are in a place to help your child or anywhere else, anyone else. So in the same way, I want to help you today with your spiritual heart, because we all know that we have a physical heart, don't we? Otherwise, you wouldn't even be here. You'd be somewhere else, probably six foot under the ground. But you're alive. Your physical heart is ticking. It's strong. But uh, you, you Danish, I think you're probably leading the world in looking after your physical health. Am I right to say that? I kind of get the impression that you know how to eat well, how to exercise, yes? Oh, you all seem to be laughing. Is that a good sign or a bad sign? So hopefully you know that you've got to look after your physical heart to make it last, so you live a long, healthy life. But I found in all these many years of doing ministry that many people don't really know how to look after this spiritual heart that part of us that, that God says is actually the most important part of us. For example, Proverbs 4, 23 actually talks about this heart as the place out of which springs life. This is the place that determines the course of your life. If this is healthy, you will follow the right path. You will make the wise choices. You will be able to overcome difficulties and challenges of life. So we want to look after this. So I want to just um, speak into that tonight. And what I've found over a few years now is that the best way to look after this spiritual heart is to have a life that's full of something called purpose. 
purpose. Okay, so I'm, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is A Purposeful Heart. How to get a purposeful, a purpose-filled heart. So when we talk about purpose, we, I think many of us kind of know what is purpose. But why do we have to talk about it, other than what I've just said, that it's good for you? Well, why is it good for you? How do we know? Well, this is where science is really, really helpful. And what science tells us is that if we don't have purpose, they found psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors have found that people who lack purpose show these signs. They're often very lethargic. They're easily bored. They're very passive. They sit back, expect everything to be done for them. But also, they're more prone to getting anxiety and depression, mental health problems. They're also vulnerable to things like drugs, alcohol, addiction. Talking about addictions, um, do you know what? Recently, there's been a discovery or a name given to a condition called a stress addiction. Have you heard of that? Do you know that we can be addicted to something called stress? So it seems like certain people are wired this way, that when they have a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, uh, chemicals are released in the brain that give them a high. So they actually thrive on stress. So not everybody with stress, some people are wired that way. And the way that you can identify people like that, perhaps you could identify yourself, is that you love to be a hamster on the hamster wheel, you love to be working, 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 but you don't actually like it when you come off. When you say, oh, and when someone says, well, have a day off. Can't you just chill? But you find that you just can't because it's like, it's too uncomfortable to chill because you want to get back to work. But what they found is that many times the reason why they're addicted to stress is because they actually can't deal with other stuff that surfaces when they're trying to rest, like pain or unhappiness of some kind unresolved things that they just never attended to. And, um, you know, a few years ago, um, I, I, um, I was asked to help a young girl. And it's, it's a really wonderful story because this girl had been through all, all sorts of issues, was addicted to drugs, and one day, a neighbor just happened to be passing by her window in her house and saw her lying on the sofa, not moving. Got very worried, phoned the ambulance. Ambulance came, smashed down the door. They found out that she'd just taken a massive overdose. And if she had not been found, she would be dead. So thankfully, they carted her off to hospital, helped her. Then um, she came home feeling terrible. Anyway, she was referred to me. And I spent some time with her, and what I found out, that her source of pain was that, um, obviously it's a girl I'm talking about, she had a brother, and growing up, she found that her parents always favoured the brother more. And uh, this is a girl from the Indian culture, you know, in many Indian cultures, it's, if you're a girl, it can be a tough time, because you're kind of not as important as a boy, yeah, some heads are nodding, nodding. It may be the same even in Europe, that somehow if you're a girl tonight here, you may feel that you were inferior to your brothers. So anyway, I helped her with some steps that I'm going to teach you later on today to just forgive her parents, 
to deal with her pain. Now, uh, just what, a couple of years later, actually, she is thriving. She's looking after the body. She's able to love herself, accept herself. And she's now on the road where she's helping other young women dealing with addictions. Isn't that a great story? I think we should just give God a hand. Because what she found is the only way to heal her pain was to receive the healing from Jesus. That was the final thing that really helped her. Not just self-help, not just sort of good affirmations, but she had to receive that healing from Jesus. And she had to embrace the fact that she was born for such a time as this and she had a purpose. She was meant to be here. She belonged in this world at this time. Um, in our newspapers, um, quite recently, there was just some news given about a, a footballer who was very famous back in the day, in the 1990s. His name was Paul Gascoigne. It's called Gaza. How many of you have heard of him? Yes, he was actually sort of very well known, I think, throughout the world. He was probably the most famous guy in his day. A brilliant footballer. But when that season ended... He struggled with alcoholism, okay? He was in and out of rehab, arrested for assaulting his wife. He would be found staggering through the lobby of a hotel, asking strangers to buy him a drink. But his colleague, someone who played alongside him in the same era, called Gary Lineker, how many of you have heard of him? He was also a fantastic footballer, won prizes and awards. He finished his football season, but then he went on to be a broadcaster and is now on television doing all sorts of things. And he says about his friend, Gaza, he said, Gaza never found a new purpose in his life to replace his football career. So just remind, giving us that, uh, the thought that purpose changes from season to season. What you do in one season will often transition to something else. For another season, okay? But let me tell you more about the why behind we should, why we should have purpose. Here's what science found, has found. People with a strong sense of purpose enjoy significantly better health compared to those who don't. They're less likely to develop heart disease and strokes, less likely to develop depression, dementia, because for reasons that scientists cannot explain, Purpose in your heart strengthens your brain. Okay, so they know that it's all connected, but they can't explain it any more than that. But I just want to give you a clue. It's something to do with how God has made us. God has made us so that when you get healing and restoration on here in your heart, it affects all your body, not just your brain, but every cell in your body. Um, and even sleep. Do you know that purpose helps you sleep better. Again, scientists don't know why, but they just say that's what they find. Um, people live longer, live happier lives, live wealthier lives. You actually seem to do the right thing to attract money. You're not chasing after wealth, but you chase after purpose, and money seems to follow you. And I think that's just the blessing of God. And this happens to even people who don't believe in God because that's how God's created the universe, that this is how it should be. People with purpose overcome even plateaus of life. How many of you have been through times where things, it feels like things are just, just going okay, like I just can't quite seem to get up and go and 
you feel like you've hit a, a wall, hit a plateau. But if you keep reminding yourself of your purpose in life, do you know what? Before long, something will rise up, doors will open, creative ideas will come, and you will push through. That's what science says. In fact, there was a study, I want to tell you, back, done back in 1999, where they took a group of patients with this condition called multiple sclerosis. MS, have you heard of that? Yeah? So it's a condition which affects nerves, uh, muscles of the body, so people find it harder and harder to move around as the disease progresses. So, so far, science hasn't found a cure. But um, these scientists wanted to do an experiment, and so they took this group and divided them into two groups. They called them A and B. And what they did was they said, people in group A, we want you to phone people in group B regularly and just give them emotional support. In other words, just pick up the phone once a week and say, hey, how are you doing? Can anyone help you? Do you need anything this week? Just want to say, I'm here for you. I'm encouraging you. I'm championing you. Doesn't that sound a bit like pastoral care? Doesn't that sound like what Connect Group folks do for each other? So this is what the scientists got these uh, people to do. And they tracked them for three years. And here's what they found. In group A, group A, there was a profound improvement in their mood and their self-worth. The scientists said that they were blossoming. Blossoming. Who was group A? The ones who received the phone call? No, the ones who were doing the phone calls. Not only that, group A people said, helping the other people transformed their experience of their own MS from something that they were a, vic a victim of to something that they thought, I'm a victor. I'm actually like a hero in, in my community, in my world, because I was able to be a positive force. Isn't that incredible? Just by providing that help for somebody else, they become, became transformed. So their purpose in that season was providing pastoral care. So this is the why behind purpose. This is why we all need to have a sense of purpose. Jesus had a purpose. Yeah, I guess you pretty much all know that. Yeah, it's right there throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. But he said many times, I've come to proclaim good news. I've come to set, the, set uh, at liberty the captives. I've come to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. But I don't know whether you know this or whether you remember this. Jesus also said this in John 4.34. He said this, My food is to do what God wants me to do and to finish his work. Okay, so there he's saying that what God wants me to do, that was Jesus' purpose. But Jesus calls that his food. So really giving us this amazing, incredible revelation that when you follow your purpose, especially when you know it's from God, that very purpose nourishes you, strengthens you. And this is what these MS sufferers were finding. It was nourishing them, strengthening them. Just like food, just like if you ate a healthy avocado sandwich on rye bread, which is what I had earlier today, by the way. That effect is what purpose does for you, okay? So therefore, the opposite is true too. 
If you are not following your purpose, if somehow you don't even know what your purpose is, you will feel like you're starved, like you're being deprived food, you're being denied food. And we all know what happens to people who don't eat for an extended period of time. They will waste away and they will die. Okay, so sometimes I think that there are many of us walking around like dead people walking because we don't know our purpose. We've never known how to find it. And so I want to prophesy to you that today, if that's you, you're coming alive, you're coming into your purpose. God has got that for you. Amen. So purpose is very vital, very important. But what does it actually mean? Just to clarify, if you're not sure what does it, what does the whole thing mean about having a purpose, Here's what I would tell you. Basically, it's the sense of something within you that causes you to get up and go. That causes you to get up and out of bed in the morning because you're excited about what you want to do, what you know that you need to do. It's when you feel blessed to do that. Now, there are many people who want to get up and go in the morning, but that's because they have a hundred emails they want to answer, and they're already on their phone looking at their texts, and they're feeling pressure, pressure, pressure. And actually, I would call that a curse, not a blessing. Okay, so following after your purpose, yes, sometimes there's hard work involved, but you don't wake up in the morning dreading your day. If that's what's happening, then you need to make some adjustments into what's happening in your world. It may be that your rhythm of life is all wrong, um, I, you know, I've, um, I don't know if I've taught you this before, but um, there's a particular doctor that I follow in England, and he talked about a time when there was a young boy that he was helping, who was 16, who was self-harming. Yeah, he was cutting himself. He went to the local accident in the emergency center, saw an emergency doctor who said, oh, you must be depressed. Go to your doctor and get some antidepressants, get some medication. Now, I'll tell you this, I do believe in medication. I believe that medication helps us to function while we're dealing on the root cause, okay? So, I am for medication, but not just the, as the first resort. There are other things it's always good to explore. So, this doctor received this boy the next day, and the mom said, hey, doctor, the casualty, the emergency doctor said, could you give him some medication, antidepressants? But this GP just said, well, let me just find out a little bit more about what's going on. And basically found out that this boy was being uh, bullied at school. He's very unhappy. But that also he was putting on his phone first thing in the morning, going onto social media and staying up quite late, late into the night with watching social media, being on it. So for some reason, this GP said to this young lad, listen, can I just ask you to do something? I won't give you the medication today because I want to try something out. Will you promise me for the next two weeks, you will not put on your phone for the first hour in the morning? And that you will switch off your phone two hours before you go to bed? Ouch. I can see so many people squirming at the thought that you might have to do that. But anyway, this boy thought, I'm going to listen to this doctor. He did that, and he comes back two weeks later, and this doctor said that boy was like a different boy. Something had happened in him where he was able to, he said, I, I'm actually finding some friends at school. 
I'm not so ha- unhappy, doctor. In fact, I'm feeling better. And the mother said, I can also see seeing a remarkable change. So I just threw that in for free. It's got nothing really to do with purpose, but it just shows you that there's a power in not going onto your phones first thing in the morning, but allowing your body to have a rhythm of just going, getting up, um, you know, awakening in the day, having your breakfast, and then doing the same at night, winding down. That's what the body and the brain needs. Okay, getting back to what do we mean by having purpose? The sense of something that causes you to get up and go, and it's not necessarily one big thing at a time. So in my own life, so right now, one of my purposes is to share this sort of message like I've shown you. But I also have a purpose in being a good wife to my husband, to being a good mom, to serving in my church, to making sure that I'm fully in with God and knowing that when God, where God wants me, I follow. Okay, so I've caught been on a plane quite a few times over the last year, despite corona, because God has opened doors and has asked me and my husband to travel. Okay, so I'm just saying to you that you may have many different purposes in any, at any one time. It's often not just one thing at a time. But basically, your purpose has impact, it has influence. That's how you assess, am I following my purpose? Am I having impact? Am I having influence? Am I doing, am I sometimes having to push through? Because I know that if I will push through this, push through some challenges, it'll be worth it. Okay, so I just want to ask you, do you have a purpose like that in your life? Do you feel like there's some things that you're called to that you are kind of giving time to it? Just have a little think for a moment. Are you fully giving yourself to that? Because if you do, I'm telling you, it'll heal you, it'll help you, it'll empower you, it'll nourish you. So, so far we found out that purpose is very important. It's um, what, how God wants us to live. But how do we find it? Okay, this is often a question people ask. Have you ever asked that? How do I find my purpose? What is my purpose? Can someone please tell me, can please someone send me an email with the subject, this is your purpose, and I open it and I think, hooray, finally I know. <laughs> I don't think God wants that for us. He gives us clues with prophetic words or what people may say, but he wants you to let that purpose be to arise from here. Okay? And I'm going to give you, um, how many, how many? <laughs> four ways, four steps to get to find your purpose, okay? The first and most important way is to read your Bible. I brought this along, Popsy. I don't normally carry this big Bible on journeys because it's so heavy. But I thought I'd just show you that, you know, you have to pay attention to this thing, this book called the Word of God. You should be able to have a Bible that you can scribble in and circle and highlight. Why? Because it's full of God's word, okay? It's full, it's God-breathed. It's got God's life into it. And you will find that when you read the Bible, you're not just reading. You think you're reading, but you're not. You are eating. You are like taking antibiotics. Like, you know, if you were to take an antibiotic, 
It would go to the parts of you where there's infection and it would heal you and it will do things that you have no idea what it's doing. The same way, the Word of God has a way of getting into your heart, going to the different parts of you that need healing. It brings wisdom to your mind. It gives you amazing revelations that you never even heard of before. But you've got to spend some time and read it. In fact, um, there was an, a, a study done in 2010, a British professor. And he did this survey where he got 26,000 teenagers... That's a lot of teenagers in England and Wales. And he got them to read the Bible. Just to read the Bible. Yeah? And this is what he found. So I don't have, I'm trying to find the full study, but it's been a bit difficult. But I got this enough, this information enough to inspire today. He found that those who read the Bible more, more than the others who didn't read it so much, tended to have a stronger sense of their purpose. These teenagers got the revelation of why they're here, why they were born, just from reading the Bible. And it's not just about the fact that there are great stories and inspiring people, which there are, but also in this book are stories of how God heals and forgives sin, how people who feel that they're a failure and they've messed God up and they've, and they've you know, disobeyed him, how God restores them, he forgives them, how he deals with sin, by forgiveness, not by hitting you on the head with a hammer. So these young people were inspired. How much more must we, as children of God, be inspired and fed by the word of God? Okay? Do you know in Jeremiah 10, 23, it actually says, it is not in man. It is not in man, even in a strong man or in a man at, at his best, to direct his own steps. Did you know that that's in the Bible? It actually says that it's not in us to know what is our purpose. So you take someone like Gaza or even Gary Lineker. They followed a certain purpose because they had that amazing skill. But even Gary Lineker now, you know, if you look at his life, it's not a brilliant life. Yes, he's great with television and media, but his personal life isn't great. But God doesn't want that. God wants us to have wholeness in every area of our lives. So that's why I'm telling you, it's not... The Bible says that true life-giving purpose is only found when you give your life to God and you chase after him. Romans 8, 28 says that God has called us all according to his purpose. He, his purpose is that we have a purpose. Isn't that amazing? That's what God wants. Okay? And here's a great way to start every morning. Not, oh, good Lord, it's morning. Here we go again. But instead, you come to God and you read your word. You say, Lord, sorry, read God's word. And then you say, good morning, Holy Spirit. What can I do today that will fulfill my purpose? And just wait and see what he brings into your heart. What, what idea you get in your head, or who you should phone. Okay? Just, I just wanted you to try that as an experiment and see what happens over the next two weeks. If you just start your day, putting your day in front of God. Because you see, your mind, the way that our minds are made, we always need something to focus on. You can never say to, your, you can never say to anybody, empty your mind. 
It's impossible. The mind was never meant to be empty. The mind is designed to always focus on something. And the more you focus on that something, the stronger it gets. So that's why you, if you keep focusing on that terrible thing that someone did to you 10 years ago, you think about it every single day, day in, day out, day in, day out, and how horrible they were and how dare they do this, your mind is getting stronger in that area. So whenever something goes wrong, whenever someone else does something that, you, that upsets you, straight away your mind tells you, see, see how horrible people are because 10 years ago this person did blah, blah, blah to you. So if you want to find healing for your mind, focus on good stuff. That's why gratitude is so powerful. Giving thanks is so powerful because you're telling your mind, no, no, mind, I'm not thinking about that thing 10 years ago because I'm going to forgive them. Instead, I'm going to thank God that I'm still alive, I'm still well, I've still got a purpose, I've still got a destiny. And it doesn't matter what they did, God is a good God. Amen? So that's only the first thing. <laughs> Oops. The second thing is to look at what's in your hand. What is the gift? What is the ability God has put in you? Because that is going to be feeding into your purpose. Are you a good organizer? Are you a good administrator? Are you a good listener? Are you someone who has an ability to pray? Are you, do you have an ability to speak up for the ones who don't have a voice? Whatever it is, just do that more. Just keep doing that until God gives you something else to do. Because that is part of you, part of your journey of finding your purpose. You know, many years ago, um, I was a teenager. I decided I wanted to become a doctor. So I studied, did well, got into medical school, did well in that, became a hospital doctor, as I said, did well in that. So whatever I put my hand to, I decided I'm going to do it really well, really well. So I always had this awareness that God has entrusted me with certain things and I'm going to do it to my best. Okay, so really that principle is that whatever little you have, do it to your best and God will trust you with more. Yeah, I think you know that principle. But then a time came in my life where I was just puzzled. So I was by now a general practitioner, GP, and I was puzzled and I was growing as a Christian as well. And I was saying, God, why is it that even people who are believers, who come to church, they are, they are as sick as people I see in the world. Still as sick as people I see in my surgery. So I went on a whole journey to find out what's going on there. And basically, to cut a long story short, I found out that at the root of many diseases are issues of the heart that people just don't know how to deal with. But if you teach them and if you help them through prayer, they can get healed. Because the body is designed to heal itself. Okay? So, but uh, in all of this time, a day came when I was just saying, God, I just find it so difficult. I'm doing medicine. Um, I'm a doctor one day, but I can't even tell my patients about all of the prayer stuff because it's not allowed in the UK. And I'm just writing prescriptions, whereas I know there's more, there's more. What do I do, Lord? So I'm just saying to you that I was coming to a frustration where the thing that I had a purpose to do, being a doctor, was no longer satisfying me. I felt like there was something different. I didn't know what. And as I was praying into it, I felt like God told me these words. If you stay on in medicine, you will heal a few people. But if you quit medicine, you'll heal a whole lot more. Now, that sounds amazing. 
and I had to think to myself, did I just make that up? How many of you have ever felt that? Nobody, right? Yeah, I know. So I just then had to go to my senior pastor at that time, Peter Prother, and I said, look, I feel like God is staying this. Do you think it's a bit crazy? I'm leaving medicine because why do I, why should I leave medicine? The world needs doctors, right? And he said, well, let me pray about this. He prayed about it and he said, you know what? I think there's something here. He said, talk to your family, see what they think. I did. They all said, go for it, go for it. So I quit medicine, my purpose at that time, and I thought right now God's going to lead me into healing. And then the next thing I know, Peter Prothero says to me, oh, can you help me in church? Can you look after some teams? Look after the new visitor team and the hosting team and the hospitality team. And I was thinking, what's that got to do with healing? Have I made a mistake? Do you mean I gave up that job, earning quite a lot of money to just be a full-time volunteer? But actually, God was testing me. He was seeing my commitment. And as I did what I did, all those other things, full on in church, helping church to grow, one day an opportunity came for me to speak at a conference, a, a, a seminar in Wales on depression. And basically by the end of that seminar, three ladies who never would have come there other than they heard a doctor was speaking about depression, came along and gave their lives to Jesus because of what I'm sharing with you, like I did then. And not only that, but there was a woman there who'd been on antidepressants for 16 years. She came to me, she came up for prayer at the end. I laid hands on her and there was other people too. She came and saw me six months later. She said, I must tell you, she said, I was an antidepressant 16 years. After that day, something changed. I went to the doctor. He said, something's happened to you. Shall we try you off the medication? He did, and I have not been back on them even for the last many, many months. So I just want to tell you that sometimes when you're following your purpose, it may seem like you're going off the wrong tangent, but if you are honoring God and if you're obeying Him, He will restore you to something even better. So, just reminding you, purpose changes over time, over seasons. But what happens when you've actually been through some rough times, some difficult times? Because this much I found out is that when we've been through traumas in life, painful times in our lives, we can get stuck in, we can just get stuck. We just don't know what to do. We dare, we dare not move forward. We dare not do anything because it's like the pain is too strong. And it's, the picture of that would be like, you know, if you had to stun, if you, if you put a stun gun, shot a stun gun at a lion, a lion is meant to roar. It's meant to roam through the jungle. But if you stun the lion, what would happen? It would be paralyzed. It couldn't be a lion. It couldn't be the very thing it was destined to be. But in, with us, when we are when we're stuck in trauma, which could be abuse we had or the loss of someone that we love, when we're stuck in that and it's not healed, the enemy will come and start to sow lies into our head. He'll say things like, you are just not good enough. You need to deserve God's healing. God is not interested in you because you've had a rubbish life and anyway, you are rubbish. So I want to tell you that tonight, I would love to pray for anyone here who feels like they're caught in anything that has disabled them, 
that's causing them to feel stuck. Or maybe you're here today and you, you had other stuff happen to you. Maybe leaders rejected you. People let you down. Relationships went wrong and you've disqualified yourself. And you've just said, I'm divorced or I'm single. God could never use me. But I want to tell you that's a lie. Okay, God is the restorer. God is the redeemer. But he wants to start that process tonight. Maybe you messed up. Maybe you committed some wrong stuff. Maybe you're right even today, caught up in some sin or some addiction, some very unhealthy behavior that you know is wrong, but you just can't seem to come out of it. We would love to pray for you tonight and set you free. So I wonder if you could just all stand right now. You know, to be healed of anything is actually really easy because you don't have to do a thing other than the few things I'm going to tell you. It's God who comes and does the healing, okay? But the first step, though, is that you have to humble yourself. You have to come to the place where you say, God, I really need you. I can't do this by myself. I can't even escape this sin by myself. It's too hard. Jesus said this in Matthew 18. He said, I tell you this, unless you repent, which is actually the meaning is dramatically change your way of thinking and become like children that is trusting, humble, forgiving, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So tonight, the kingdom of heaven is here. God is here and God wants to invite you to a new sense of purpose, a new release. He wants to come and heal your heart. But I, just, I want to say to you, are you willing to come like a little child? Are you willing to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to change the way I even thought about myself, even change the way I thought about you because you're a good God. You're not a harsh God who's trying to trip me up and catch, catch me out. Okay, that's what God wants. And then the next step is He wants you to forgive people who hurt you, people who let you down. Okay, so I'm just going to take you through a prayer. So if you want to just engage with God now and receive some healing for any pain or brokenness in your heart, just maybe lift up one hand, put the other hand on your heart, And I'm just going to ask you to just under your breath, just say, God, I now choose to forgive this person, this person, these people who hurt me, who let me down. I forgive those people who should have loved me and cared for me. Maybe my mom and dad who abandoned me or who weren't there for me. They were too busy. Listen, we're not saying that they were bad. We're not judging them. We're just saying we forgive them for what they were not able to do. 
to love me and nurture me as they should have. But I forgive them. So just name those people. Just under your breath, just name them and just say, I forgive. I forgive. I release them from any judgment they ha- I had of them. I release them from my judgment and from all the harm they did to me. And now you may need to say this, God, would you forgive me for indulging in this behavior, this unhealthy stuff that I know is bad for me. I kept giving into it. Forgive me, God. Forgive me for being addicted to stress, for using work as a way of escape from dealing with things that you want me to deal with. Forgive me, God. Okay. Now the reason we start with forgiveness is because Jesus said, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you. Then we can start to pray. Okay. So I just would love to pray for you now. So just keep a hand on your heart. So, Father God, you see every person here today, Lord, with the hand on their heart. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over every pain, every trauma, every loss that they've been through that's caused them to be a frozen God in time, that's caused them to be paralyzed in areas of their heart, in areas of their life. And we take authority over even every trauma and I break its power over you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I release life in that area. I release an openness, a flow of healing power into those deep, deep places of your heart. Holy Spirit, we, I ask you to lift off sorrow. Would you lift off prolonged mourning and prolonged grieving for all the things that, they, that went wrong? For all the people that they lost. But Lord, would you break every way in which the enemy has bound grief and sorrow over them. We break it now in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And now I just speak to fear. Every fear of the future. The fear of saying yes to God. The fear that somehow God is going to catch you out and dump you down and cast you aside. I speak to every fear. The fear of rejection. We break its power. We break its power. We break its power. Holy Spirit, I ask you to lift off every fear that's holding people back. Depriving them, denying them of the very purpose that you have for them. And Lord, I just pray that you would strengthen everyone here, Lord, who's dealing with stuff that they shouldn't be doing. Would you just give them that strength, the supernatural strength tonight to say no, to say no. If that's you today, I would really encourage you to come and speak to one of the pastors and get some help. Because you know what? We've all been there. We've all struggled with sinful things, but sometimes we just need help to break free. So I even just break the power of addictions 
the way it's held you in bondage. And we say we disable every work of the enemy that's kept that addiction intact. And we say it is broken today. It is broken in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Father, today I just ask you to restore purpose. Restore people back to purpose. Would you cause your purpose to start to flow, to start to come alive, to come and take flight in them? Thank you, Lord, for your anointing, because it's your anointing that does this. Thank you, folks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.